Hey friends, this is Keenan, the Creative Arts Minister at the Christian Church of Carl Junction. And I just want to say thank you for joining us for this podcast. The Christian Church of Carl Junction exists to glorify God by being disciples who make more disciples. We do that by coming to God, thriving in family, and going on mission for His kingdom. We hope that this podcast helps you take next steps in following Jesus with everything that you have. Now, here's today's podcast episode. Good morning. Welcome here to the Christian Church of Carl Junction. Welcome online if you're joining us on our live stream here. We're so glad you're with us. This is week number five in our series called Disciple. We're walking through the Gospel of Mark together, learning to be like Jesus. That's what the word disciple means. Methetes means learner. We're learning to be like Jesus. Before we jump into the message today, I just want to share a couple of things. First of all, out at our Next Steps table in the lobby or on our website at cccj.church in the Connect tab, there's a Bible reading plan box. There is a Bible reading plan out on the table that is for the month of June. We're, we're doing things different this year. For the last several years, we've issued out a monthly Bible reading plan. We've gone through the whole Bible before. We've done it chronologically, kind of in a different order. We went through a book called Core 52 together, reading together and learning together. And this year, we're really focusing in on specific parts, just reading uh, highlights out of Scripture a lot. And so starting June the 1st, we're going on a three-month Bible... What was the word I used? Shoot. Three-month Bible reading a tour. I don't know what it is. But I promise you... If you start reading with us June the 1st, then in June, July, and August, you're going to read through all the highlights of Scripture from the beginning of creation on June 1st all the way through the end of Revelation, August, uh, whatever the last day is, August 31st. You're going to read through that. I am really tongue-tied right now. I'm flustered, and that's weird uh, for me. Uh, but you're going to read through all that in the three-month period. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. I encourage you, if you've not been reading along with us, then June 1st is the best time to jump back in because you're going to get the big picture of Scripture altogether. It's going to be fantastic. Also, throughout this summer, we are going to have other voices joining me on stage right here to share messages with us. We want to hear from other people as well as myself. And so today, Rebecca Robertson, our children's minister, is joining me right here. Rebecca, you've been on staff here for two years now, about. No. About that. And you attended here for a couple years before that, before coming on staff and uh, serving our children's ministry before that and things. And Rebecca does a fantastic job with our kids. My kids love being downstairs and hearing the good news of Jesus and learning and growing together. Uh, she's doing a fantastic job with them. This summer in June, June 21st, through 25th is our Vacation Bible School. You can register your kids on our website, cccj.church. Just click the Register Now link on the big picture that comes up about VBS right there. And even though this is your second year or so on, this is your first VBS because of crazy scheduling stuff one summer and then COVID stuff the next summer and uh, and all that. So it's going to be fantastic. We cannot wait to gather with kids. Vacation Bible School is for preschool through sixth grade. sixth grade this year. It's absolutely free from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. every night. It's going to be fantastic. We're also taking kids and teenagers to camp this summer, so there's uh, that's a great thing to register for as well. You can find those links online or ask me later. I'll give them to you. Uh, we would love for you to register your kids for all the things for the best summer ever. This morning, we're jumping into Mark chapter 6. 
to continue our journey. Uh, before we get to going in the text today, uh, Rebecca, would you just pray for us and ask God to speak out of this? Dear God, we thank you so much for today and allowing us to be here and to learn from your word. And I ask that you speak to us today through that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This is going to be a great morning. As we're reading a maybe a familiar, a famous text, we just call it, it's the one where Jesus walks on water. It's found in Matthew and Mark and in Luke. We're going to read Mark's account today. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. If you want to look there, I'm going to start reading and talking about the text, all right? In Mark 6, verse 45, Mark writes and says, immediately. I want to pause right there. All right, immediately. I got really far into it today. Immediately. I love that that word immediately gets used right there. I love it because of what just happened in the Gospel of Mark. Right before this in Mark chapter 6, the section above it, if we were going to put a title over it, that section is just when Jesus feeds the 5,000. See, Jesus gathers his 12 disciples and a crowd of 5,000 men plus wives and and children. There's, There's thousands of people. He's teaching Remember, he loves the business of the crowd. He's teaching, he's preaching, he's sharing with all of them all these things. It goes long into the day. People start to get hungry. They're getting hungry, and the disciples are getting nervous, like, Jesus, we need to send them away to get some food. they got to go eat. And Jesus says, no, 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 we're just going to feed them. And the disciples, they're, they're pragmatic people. We didn't plan for this. How are we going to feed all of these people? And Jesus said, just go find some food. Find some food. So they go out in the crowd and they look for food. They find one young boy that has a sack lunch that day and they steal it. Okay? That's not really exactly steals maybe the wrong word, but I feel bad for the boy sometimes. He doesn't know what's happening. They take his lunch. They bring him to Jesus and Jesus says, this is perfect. I'm going to use this. It's, it's a couple fish, some loaves of bread. Not very much. They take it. Jesus prays over it and begins to break it. Begins to portion it out. And as he does so, it multiplies. And it feeds all these thousands of people. And at the end of the meal, Jesus says to his disciples, go out, collect all the leftovers. And so they do. And there's a bunch of leftovers. They bring them all in, all these leftover fish and loaves. And they lay it all down right before Jesus. It's pretty awesome. If I were Jesus, I think I would be very tempted to have a little celebration. That's what we do, right? When things go really well, we have a little celebration. If I were one of the disciples, I'd be tempted to want to kick back around the fire that night and tell stories. Man, remember that one guy in the crowd when I just reached to the basket and pulled out more food? Remember, look on his face. He couldn't believe what was happening. I couldn't either. It was just, I would want to sit around and kind of celebrate, rest on the record of what we've done, but not Jesus. It says here, immediately, there's no pausing, there's no waiting There's no celebrating. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. Bethsaida is on the other side of the lake where where they were at. Immediately, he made them get in the boat and go across the lake. Immediately. No resting, no celebrating. For the 12 disciples, for Jesus, for you and for me, there's always a next step when we're following Jesus. If you're following Jesus, there's always a next step. It does not matter if you've been following Jesus for decades, you have a next step today. 
It doesn't matter. If you've just celebrated a tremendous victory in a ministry to somebody, maybe you just share the gospel with somebody, they just accepted Jesus, doesn't matter. There's a next step. Doesn't matter if you've been on a trip and you've done a great mission trip that went great and you came back and you got great stories. You're like, think of all the things. And a year later, you're telling those same stories now. There's a next step. You're not done. There's a next step. In fact, our church has some core values. Our first value, the one we hold nearest and dearest, is simply Jesus. We start with Jesus. Everything we do starts with Jesus. It ends with Jesus, and Jesus is in the middle. Our last value, when we rattle them all off, is simply the word next. We say, we're not done. This church, this family, this part of the kingdom right here, we are not done. There is a next step. We have a next steps table in our lobby. We have next steps online. We all want to connect with people in the kingdom of God to help us take next steps. For some of us today, that next step might be following Jesus for the first time. Others of us, it might be following Jesus for the hundredth time, re-surrendering something or taking a step of challenge. There's always a next step when you're following Jesus. In the text, it, it continues to talk here. And Mark writes and says, After Jesus left them, they went to the boat. Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray. I love that in the middle of the busyness of the crowd, Jesus takes a next step to talk to his father, to listen for his father to speak. I love it because we can find truth and encouragement and challenge in that. When you're celebrating victories and things are busy and they're going fast and you're like, yes, everything's coming together. There's still moments we got to step back and pray. Listen to the father. Read his word. Later that night, Mark writes, as we continue, the boat was in the middle of the lake. Jesus was alone on the land. He looked out and he saw the disciples out there straining at the oars because the wind was against them. In the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, it tells you there's a storm going on. Not just the wind against them, but there's waves too. and There's lightning and thunder. It's, it's a storm going on. The disciples are struggling to cross this lake. And Jesus looks out and sees them because he's up here on the mountain and he has sent the disciples ahead of them. There's truth in scripture that Jesus, sometimes the disciples, and also with you, Jesus sends you ahead of him. And that reminds me of the story of John the Baptist. We learn that John, he was sent ahead of Jesus because he went ahead to teach people to Jesus, to call, to teach people about Jesus, to call them to repentance. He says, I've come to baptize you with water, but the one who comes after me, Jesus, comes to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So prepare your hearts, be ready, ask for forgiveness of your sins. So when he comes, you can be ready for him. That's a great, a great connection there. I love when we connect scripture across the pages of the word of God. I love that. John the Baptist was just a few months older than Jesus, really. But he was sent ahead to be a voice calling in the wilderness. We see this other places in Scripture. Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 10. Jesus first in chapter 9 sends the 12 disciples. In chapter 10, he sends 72 other followers. And in both places, he says, I'm sending you to every place where I'm about to go. He sends them ahead to every place where he's about to go so that the people can be prepared to hear from him. That's what we do. We cross over being sent 
so that the the people where we go are prepared to hear from Jesus. The same thing's true of us as the disciples here. Let's keep reading on. It says, shortly before dawn, so Jesus is praying for most of the night. He's spending a good... He's spending a good chunk of the night praying, listening to the Father. And then before dawn, early in the morning, Jesus went out to them. Now, if there was a period right there, this passage would be just kind of ho-hum normal. Jesus sent them ahead, he went up to pray, and then in the morning early he went out to join them. But this is not a period, it's a comma. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, comma, walking on the lake. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a lot of people walk on the lake. It's not a normal thing. In fact, in all of history, I can think of two. I can think of Jesus walking on the lake right here, right now. I can think of uh, Peter in the same moment. Matthew and Luke tell us he got out of the boat and walked for a moment before he fell in the water. And that's about it. The list is two. But Jesus walks out to them on the lake. It says he was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. That's believable. That's plausible. Uh, they've never seen somebody walk on the lake, and there's a storm, and they're scared already. They cried out because they all saw him, and they were all terrified. They were all terrified right here of what's happening in the middle of the storm. Now, these disciples will see this ghost walking out here. Uh, they don't know what to think. Otherwise, I was the other night I was joined up with my oikos, our family group in our house, and we were just talking about various things in Scripture. And we're talking about being scared sometimes and not knowing what to do. And one person in our oikos just said a simple statement that's kind of stuck with me. And I think the disciples here are feeling this right now. They, he said, when you think you're about to die, you lose your, your mind. You, you lose your mind. When we think we're about to face destruction, we lose our mind. We panic. The disciples are panicked here. and They see somebody walking in the water. They panic. It's a ghost. What is happening right here? But Jesus is about to join them. Because Jesus never leaves you to walk alone through the storm. And that's it. That reminds me of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in the Old Testament, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar builds this gold statue of himself and says, bow down and worship it. And these three guys are like, no, we only worship God. And, but the punishment to refusing to bow down to this idol was to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And King Nebuchadnezzar was so mad that they refused that he's like, let's make this seven times hotter than it was already. It was so hot that when the guards threw these three guys into it, they died. And and they're in the fire, and King Nebuchadnezzar's watching them, and he's like, you know, I remember only throwing three guys in there, but I see four. And that fourth one looks a lot like one of the sons of gods. And to me, that was Jesus. Jesus was in that fire with those three guys. And so King Nebuchadnezzar calls them back out. They come out. There, there's not a hair singed. They don't smell like smoke. And he's like, how'd you guys do this? And it's because God was with them, and they knew that. And so even in their storm, God was there to take care of them. Yeah, and because of that, the, the king then pointed toward their God, right? It, it changed his outlook, at least for a while. It changed him. 
See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their, their storm looked different. The disciples had a literal storm. Wind, waves, lightning, thunder. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had a, a cultural storm. A cultural storm. Bow down. Worship. See, the truth is, you and I, we're all in a storm of some sort. Whether it's a, a, a mental one or emotional or a relational one, a cultural one. We live in a world where everything's kind of falling apart around us. And our culture is pushing us to abandon our beliefs and turn on our what we believe, what we think, and to reject some things. We're in the middle of a storm. But Jesus promises never to leave us. I love that in, in Matthew 28, when he sends us out, he tells his disciples, I have all the authority in heaven and on earth, all the authority over the supernatural and the natural, and therefore I send you. And he says, I will never leave you. I'll never abandon you. never forget you. I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. No matter what storm you're going through today, Jesus is with you. As we've been preparing for this morning and talking through things quite a bit, uh, looking at this, we keep coming back to the fact that the disciples, the guys that are with Jesus for three whole years, not quite three at this point, but three years eventually, they are terrified by everything that's happening. We keep returning to that idea. And so we've talked a lot about what do we do when we're, when we're scared. So, Rebecca, what do we do when we're scared? Well, when we are afraid, you know, Satan wants us to freeze up, to stop taking our next steps. But... But Jesus calls us to trust him. You know, he says, even though it's hard, I'm there with you. And you just need to trust me because I can see you. You know, in the story right now, the disciples, they can't see Jesus. They see a ghost, right? But Jesus, he can see them. He knows where he's going. He's going straight for them. Yeah, from a distance even. They're they're blinded by the storm, but he's not. He sees them. I love in John 16, I believe it is, Jesus talks about, in this world, you're going to have trouble. It's gonna, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna stink sometimes. He says, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. When you're in the middle of the storm, when you're in the middle of the hard parts of life, when your heart is breaking, when your feet are trembling, when your hands feel weak, and you don't know what to do next because it feels like everything is lined up against you, you take heart. Because the one who created you, the one who knows you, the one who's loving you, knows you by name. He's walking with you in the middle of it. And not just with you, he's already overcome it. That's incredible encouragement for us out of Scripture. If we keep reading through things that are happening here, Mark goes back to that word immediately. And he says, now immediately... Jesus spoke to them. They're terrified. It's a ghost. We don't know what to do. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, and he says, take courage. Take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. He speaks to them out of the storm, and he calls them to be centered back on the peace, the calm of his kingdom. Take heart. It is me. You don't have to be afraid. I love all the times of Scripture that Jesus or God speaks to the Old Testament, through the Gospels, through the rest of the New Testament, and says, don't be afraid. Through angels, through burning bushes. Uh, when Jesus is born and the, the shepherds on the hillside are terrified, they see this blinding light, the angels say, don't be afraid. I love that. Jesus calls us to not be afraid. And Jesus today, in this moment, this morning, right here, Jesus is still telling you to trust him and not be afraid. 
And that reminds me of Psalm 23. I'd like to read that to you guys. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Which is a great reminder of how God is with you in the good and the bad times. Yeah. I mean, David knew bad times. right? David, this is the, the guy that wrote this. This is the guy that he, he faced a giant that had terrified an entire nation. He, he faced a king that had the, the power to put an end to his life and was pursuing him, trying to kill him. He, uh, he messed up with Bathsheba. He sinned and then he faced a prophet who called him out on his sin and he repented of it. He confessed it. This is a guy that knew what it was like to be afraid. He had been in battle. He'd been in the presence of enemies. And he has the peace of mind, the presence of mind to write, even though I walk that darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For God, your rod, your staff are with me. They comfort me. They bring me hope and help. He writes, in the presence of my enemy, you prepare a table for me. It overflows with your goodness. This is the guy that wrote that. I love that Jesus talks about coming to him with a childlike faith, a a sweet innocence when we come to him. Come as the children, he says. Just the other day, I was sitting at home, and our family just wrapped up dinner. We were eating all together. My my wife and I are three kids, 16-year-old, 8-year-old, and 5-year-old children. We're sitting around the table, and I had just stepped out of the room, and and we were talking uh, about, as I came back in, about tornadoes. It was on May 21st. It's the the day before the anniversary of the Joplin, Missouri tornado years ago, and the Carl Junction in our town tornado a, a couple years ago. We were talking about tornadoes tornadoes and what that is and our eight-year-old just said i don't know what what's a tornado i don't know so we were explaining what they are what they do and and all this and and she's like well what do you mean and i thought i have a i have a book about the joplin missouri tornado commemorating that and so i went and got it and i pulled out and showed a couple of pictures i selected that were okay for her to see i showed a couple pictures out of it for her and as we were talking she says did anybody does anybody die in tornadoes so sometimes And she just started crying uncontrollably. Now, as as a dad, I'm not as sensitive as my wife is. So she starts crying uncontrollably, and my reaction is to look at her. I mean, she was crying disproportionate to the conversation that we were having. Now, I looked at her, and I looked at my wife, looked at her, and said, what's she doing? Right? That's how parents talk when kids are right there. You're like, what's she doing? My wife says, shh. So I watch. She's crying. Why is she crying? She's just sad. Why? And finally she says, I- I'm just, I just miss all the people that have ever died in the tornadoes. Ever. So, well, well, honey, you didn't know them all. You didn't, you didn't know them. Which makes sense to me. I'm like, it's okay. You didn't know them. She's like, I know, but I didn't want them to die. I was like, well, it's okay, it's okay. And she's like, I don't, I don't want her to die. And what happens to him when they die? And teachable moment, right? So he said, well, well, if you know Jesus, if you know Jesus, when you die, you get to go be with Jesus. You don't have to be afraid of the storm with the tornado and the storm with things. You get to go be with Jesus. And she's, she starts, stops crying just a little bit, and then she says, "Am I going to die?" Well, we'll be honest, 
Someday, yes. Ah, she's crying again. I don't want to die. And she's just uncontrollably sobbing. My five-year-old's sitting there, just watching, listening to everything. They hear everything, listening. And then he says, so when you die, you get to be with Jesus? So, well, yeah, that's it. So he says, little honorary look on his face, and he looks up at the ceiling. He says, yo, Jesus, you can die me. And then he's, <laughs> which made his sister cry even worse. I don't want you to die. And it was a silly moment, and we talked it out, but I've thought about that so much since then. As a five-year-old, he has no fear of dying. You know, when you're young, you're indestructible, right? No fear of dying. And I love that, that my my, my five-year-old, I wish I had his faith, no matter what it is. If it's a storm, if it's a a cultural thing, if it's a a relationship thing, if it's a family thing, if it's a financial thing, if it's a future thing or job thing or whatever it is, I'm not afraid of it. Because I know if I die, I get to live with Jesus forever. Jesus is telling us not to be afraid, just to trust him. That's why the disciples got to walk on all throughout the rest of the, the acts of the kingdom growing and, and all the letters they wrote. They had to walk and they'd stand before kings and emperors. They faced death. In fact, these men in this boat, they all lost their lives for the kingdom. And they went to their death willingly and joyfully. That's why a man named Stephen in the book of Acts, as as his enemies were throwing rocks, stoning him to death, as the rocks were raining down upon him, he looked up to heaven and he had a smile on his face. I see heaven open. I see the Son of, the Son of God sitting at the right hand of the Father. And We don't have to be afraid. Because we follow the one that has the power over life and death. I want to encourage you. If you're in the middle of a storm right now and you don't know what's next, you just trust that the Jesus who lets you walk into it is going to meet you in the middle of it and you can be okay. Not just today, but for all eternity. It's going to be okay. If we keep reading here in the text, it says, Then Jesus climbed to the boat with them and the wind died down. Remember back in Mark 4, he stood up in the boat when the storm was going on in that chapter and says, quiet, be still, the wind and the waves died down. An incredible moment. They were completely amazed, the disciples were, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. But for Jesus and the disciples right here, the disciples don't know what's going on. They so often had no clue what Jesus was really doing until later in their life, a few years down the road. They could trust him. But Jesus here, just like in the church, Jesus is not done. There's something else to happen. It says here, when they had crossed over, when they got over to the other side of the lake, they landed at a place called Gennesaret, and they anchored there. And as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran to him throughout the whole region, and they brought the sick to him on mats from everywhere. 
villages, the towns, the countryside. They placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. I wonder if these people hadn't heard about how just a little while ago in Mark chapter 5, Jesus is in a crowd, and a woman touched the cloak, edge of his cloak, and she was healed. I wonder if they've heard that. If I can just touch his cloak, I'll be healed. And they came from all over the place. And I can't help but notice the the contrast between the two groups of people. You have 12 men in a boat who have been with Jesus day after day after day after day after day after day, find themselves in the middle of a storm, and they can't take their eyes off the storm. And so when Jesus comes, they don't recognize him. And Jesus lands on the other side in a place called Gennesaret, walks up onto the shore, and people who are locked in a storm, not a physical one, wind and waves, but a, a one where they're sick and they're desperate and they're hurt and they're in pain. He walks up on the shore and people locked in a storm that have not spent day after day after day with him. They're looking for help and they see him coming and they recognize him immediately. That's Jesus, the one who can bring help. There's two kinds of focus we can have. We can be so focused on the wind and the waves, the storm, the culture, the news, the politics, the pain all around us that we lose sight of Jesus and we give up. Or we can be so focused on Jesus showing up that no storm can possibly block him out because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt he's going to join us in the middle of the storm. In Hebrews, the writer says that we are to... We are to fix our gaze on Jesus, fix our focus on the cross of Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, the beginning and the end, everything in the middle of our faith. We throw off everything that hinders, every sin that entangles, everything that wants to trip us up, everything that wants to mess us up. We lock our focus on Jesus. So when we see him coming, we don't get blinded by a storm, but we see him and recognize him. Jesus, let me just get near to you. This morning, I want to offer the invitation that we offer every single Sunday. I want to invite you to follow Jesus. I'll begin like I always do. If you've never followed Jesus, I want to invite you today to take that step. If you've been locked in a storm, in pain, in a struggle of some sort, I want to invite you to take that step of following Jesus. If you've been been in pain, and maybe it was a struggle to get here this morning, even to turn the computer on this morning, if you've been in pain, I want to invite you to follow Jesus for the first time. The way that we do that at this church here is we are baptized in the water. We're lowered into water. We're lowered into water, and the storm of life, the past sin, the things that have been entangling us and pulling us down like an anchor into the storm, Jesus forgives and washes all of that away. And then we come up out of the water with the Holy Spirit in us. We're a brand new creation ready to walk and learn to be like Jesus as a disciple of his. I want to invite you to follow Jesus. If you've already followed him, but you've been in a storm yourself, I want to invite you to re-surrender yourself to him. Just for a moment, right now today, just right now. You put blinders on and you block out the storm all around you. And you fix your eyes on Jesus. The author, the perfecter of your faith, the one who can heal both the body and the soul, the one who can give you life today and give you life in eternity. And you remind yourself that you are not alone in the storm, 
Because Jesus is walking with you in the middle of it. He's standing with you in the fire just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remind yourself who you follow. And you take heart. Because he's overcome every storm in your life. I also want to offer a challenge to you. If you've been following Jesus for a while and you've been reminding yourself daily he's with you in the storms of life and now you find yourself landing in a new place, a new season in life. Maybe you're in a place that's unfamiliar to you. Maybe you're walking around in a place that you just don't understand really. A new season of life, a new, a new level of your job, a new place in your family and you're walking around in it. I want to remind you that there's a next step for you. And your next step is that you get to walk into the shore of a new place. And you get to offer the hope and the healing of the kingdom of God through Jesus on the cross, buried and resurrected through the tomb to everybody you come to. You get to offer that. You're an emissary of the kingdom. And just like the apostles that were in the boat right here, once they really fully realized that Jesus is with them in every storm no matter what, As they're walking through the mission of the kingdom, expanding, as they're going on mission together, they eventually found themselves standing, a couple of them standing before people that had the power of life and death over them, and they weren't afraid in it. And in fact, people looked at them, and they recognized that these two guys, these two followers, these two disciples, said they're just ordinary people, but they've been with Jesus. This church, we're just ordinary men and women, boys and girls. But we've been with Jesus. That makes us different. I want to challenge you to walk into new places, new opportunities, new seasons, and new shores as men and women who've been with Jesus. You take the hope everywhere that you go. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing one final song. And as we do, if you need to respond, to take a next step, if you need to follow Jesus for the first time or surrender something new, or just need someone to pray with you and listen to you for a second, when we stand to sing, you're just going to slip out the side door back here, go to the next steps table and we're back in. I'll be there to join you. And we'll just pray and talk with you. If you're online, you can send a message or a comment right now. Just say, I want somebody to meet with me and we will reach out to you and take a next step together. Because we all have next steps to take today. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you have brought us into this place. That you've helped us to hear from you, to see you, to know you all over again. And I thank you, Father, that even though we're in the middle of the, what feels like the valley of the shadow of death, or we're in the middle of the storm, or in the middle of a fiery furnace, or a trial of some sort, I am so thankful that you're with us, and you know us, and you haven't abandoned us. And even when I struggle to see you, God, I know you see me. And I'm so encouraged by that and I'm emboldened by that and I gain confidence through that and so I pray Father that as I take my next step in the middle of the storm I thank you that you're going to go with me and Father I don't have to be the one that rescues people you do that I just prepare the way so Father I thank you and I pray you would guide us as we go you would walk with us as we go 
And that you would give us opportunity after opportunity, season after season, to be your emissary, your ambassador. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Christian Church of Carl Junction podcast. If you're looking to take next steps of following Jesus, please email me at Kenan at cccj.church. And I would love to connect with you in taking your next step in following Jesus.